We are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, again, it's Kevin. Y'all already know. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, it's a it's a nice Sunday morning over here, and uh, Joel Farabee has a new extension. I'm just going to dive right in. Oh, see, I thought we were going to, I thought where we were going with that is that it is a nice Sunday morning, and we're doing this the day after remembering... A very important day in that's true in the country's history where we should all be thankful for just life and remembering how fragile it is. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, not to start it off on that kind of a note, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, it was. It, it didn't feel like twenty years, did it? No, because I know? was in third grade. Well, I hear you, and I, I, I'm right there with you. I was in fourth at the right. time. So, like I'm right there with you, but you get the point. Like. That's more than basically about two, you know, two thirds of our life that we most remembered this. And I I know it's, I know it's stuck with me all that time. So, oh, for sure. For sure. Everybody. Uh, Let's let's pop up this uh, graphic here. Yeah. Nice. nice, Just nice, smooth transition. It's okay. Joel Farabee. Six year extension. He's going to be a flyer for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Kind of out of left field. I thought a little bit because me too. Just because I didn't really think let's this way, I thought the Couturier extension was a little bit unexpected, just in terms of trying to get to work. I suppose. I mean, I thought that they had done so much work now for this upcoming season that you weren't thinking about the following season. Why? Right. Why? Why would you? You know, right. like you kind of almost. And I thought. I think I said on the last show. A lot of these one-year deals, to me, were wait and see how this works, and then we'll move forward and decide from there. And I don't look. I don't think that they were ever going to consider the idea of trading Sean Couturier if he was on an expiring contract and they weren't doing as well, or or things like that. Like I, I think that they still based their future success around him. They wanted him to resign for sure. I just didn't think they were going. I thought that they were going to tell everybody we're not thinking about anything beyond this current year until the end of the season i thought that's where they were going with it and as much as i was not surprised that if anybody got an extension it was couturier first because if you were going to address anybody who was on that list that was the guy to do i just didn't think they were gonna go through all of that and then on top of that you know to do joel farabee now and give him an extension i mean i'm not surprised in the slightest that they like him a lot i i've liked him since i mean he was my guy that I thought they should pick in that draft anyway so and, and it's hard to argue with a guy who in his second year takes that step further and in a year where everything else went wrong everything else that could possibly go wrong did go wrong except for him right and even by the way even with how transparent Chuck Fletcher was about Claude Giroux like uh, and the fact that they want him to resign and they have kind of multiple deals kind of hanging around and they're just kind of waiting to see how the season plays out but uh, it's interesting to see that Chuck Fletcher is willing to stick with Sean Couturier, Joel Farabee, and again, Claude Giroux. Um, but yeah, back to Farabee because it's it's his day here. Sure. Uh, we talked about the Sean Couturier extension and how it's pro- he's probably going to still be underpaid. <laughs> I right? mean, down down the road, it, it could be that way for it, sure. It, I mean, right. the, the thing you're banking on is it's very – it's. It's the Konechny deal all over again. You're you're sitting here, and the only difference with the, with this deal from the Konechny deal is that it doesn't kick in right away. You actually have another year to get there. So and what you're already doing is that's yep. the only thing that you should be worried about, honestly, is 
you need to now see him repeat last season, this season, while he's still making entry-level money. Right. And then go to the $5 million a year that he's going to make on this six-year extension and go, okay, where this does that take you? starts to become steal and, money. Well, sure, because at that point in time, let's put it this way. He scored 20 goals last year. They played 56 games. He played 55. I believe he missed one. So he plays in 55. He scores 20 goals. If he gets to, well, let's just say he should have in an 82-game season gotten to 25 easily, pushed 30. If he does get to 30, you've got a 30-goal score for $5 million. That's pretty pretty good. good. It's pretty good. And that's that's but that's what you would want to see with consistency. And that's what you I think that's what you thought you had with Konechny going in. And now now there's questions all over the place. I mean, I see people who are ready to trade him almost on a daily basis. And I don't get that. I mean, I, the only reason I don't get that is because for all of the times I've seen people worry about all oh, that here, they're going to do the Justin Williams thing again. They're going to do the Patrick Sharp thing again. Do you really want to trade this guy because he had one playoff in a bubble where he didn't score and then had a down season where everything was different and went wrong and the morale was down. Like, let's see him this year, you know, and then then make a determination. I can certainly understand as this season progresses, if you're getting more of what you saw last year and in the playoffs the season before, by all means, then at yeah. that point you have reason to be concerned because it's two years running and it's the wrong direction of progression. It's, and now you're making big boy money and it's time to produce in the playoffs when it matters. But it's like Sean Couturier, though, because Couturier made, started to make more money. He was still definitely, by all accounts, underpaid at four, you know, what was it, 4.1 mil or 4.2 Something mil like that. in yeah. that range. He was still definitely underpaid, but he was also not scoring at that level yet at that time. He didn't sign that contract scoring 30 goals. He signed that contract scoring 15. And, and by go, the end okay. of it, he was scoring 30, and it looked right. like... Right, and winning Selkie trophies and things and like that. And it looked you know like a I mean? top five deal in the National Hockey League. Right, So, but you have to give it time. I mean, I can still remember going back six years or so and listening to Ron Hextall tell everybody, pump the brakes when it comes to Couturier. He's 22. You got to give it time. And, it, you know, we can argue for days and weeks about what people think of Ron Hextall. I get that. But that's the situation where he's right. He was 22, and now at 28, you literally sit there, and I've seen enough comments that come out that say, where is this team even at? Where do they even go if they don't keep Sean Couturier beyond next season? And they already took care of that. That's right. That just goes to show you why it paid off and how this how this player who, again, could have made $8 million, $9 million after another season of doing this, could have made that just based on the competition. You know, right. and what everybody else is making. Right. What does Sean Couturier make on the open market? Like, he might right. make nine and, and a half. And, and instead he takes a contract for $7.75 mil a year and solidifies himself not only as your number one center moving forward for the next, at this point, nine years because it's an eight-year extension on top of the year that's to come, but also basically just flat out says, this is where I'm going to play forever. Yep. And, there's, and there's nothing that's changing my mind about it. I've already agreed to the deal, and this is where I want to play. Yep. And... That says a lot. That says a lot. So, I mean, the, the key difference with Farabee is, is that now what you're doing is, is you're get, basically getting this guy because this, again, another deal doesn't kick in until next season. So he'll be 22 by that point, getting ready to turn 23. And if that's the case, you're getting him for all the prime years. You're getting him for 23 to 29. Yep, which we have discovered is the player is when the player produces at the absolute highest level. Exactly, and 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 I think again, who knows what he's capable of? We we're probably just scratching the surface with him. 
Yep. You know, I don't. That's a good thing. I think Joel Farabee settles into being a thirty goal a year scorer with, and I'm willing to bet he touches forty, maybe multiple times. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I, I'm not saying it happens every year. I'm not saying he's Alexander Ovechkin or Tarasenko or you know one of these insane absurd guys, but he's going to put up thirty every year. You can I'll already you, tell. I'll tell you what he's going to be. Actually, what you're based on what the way you want him to be, I'll tell you exactly who you want him to be, and it's a good tease for what we're going to talk about later. You want him to be Simone Gagne. I sure do. And you want him to be Simone Gagne for a lot of reasons, though, too, because you know Is it what? He looks a lot like Simone Gagne. No, no, no. Ice? It's not. It's not that. But I'll tell you why you want him to be that because he's not a one-trick pony. He's not just the goal-scoring type. Yep. He can set guys up and. He has good two-way ability already. He can play in all situations if needed. He had several good PK shifts last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and remember, got better at it. Significantly how better young, at it as the year went on. Right. And just remember how young he is and how if he evolves into that role, let's say he's 26, 27, and now he's part of your penalty kill for good. And and what happens if he, you know, again, as we talked about all offseason, the new guys who come in, what happens if Cam Atkinson rubs off on him the right way and turns him into exactly the same type of player? Man. You know, a guy who shoots a lot, who scores goals, and who also plays in all situations. If he starts shooting like Cam Atkinson, he puts up 30 every year, forever. <laughs> I, I don't know about forever, but for for the foreseeable future, possibly. I can see that. It, it's, man, it's an exciting time to be a Joel Farabee fan. I'm not going to lie to you. I think with this, <laughs> what he needs to do most of all is take everything that happened last year that was successful for him and continue to do it and grow in that because he, he wasn't he started to become as I you know I look certainly when Atkinson was acquired by the Flyers I turned around and I said this is a guy who solves your shooting problem if you will he's not afraid to have mm -hmm. that shoot you know exactly he satisfies everything that people want when they yell that at, at games but I, but I even and I but I Man, like, and the, the, the guy he got traded for it's just Oh, it's poetry. I hear you. You know what? Now, you know what's funny? I think there was a year, I'm not kidding, that Jake Voracek led the team in shots, though, in the last four years. Okay. Which, was it one of the real bad years? Because that doesn't really count. I don't remember which one it was, okay. to be honest. But I'm just, I'm no, and I'm not trying to defend him. What I'm saying is, is that I, I guarantee you, like, I'd love to know how many of them were, you know, came in pointless situations where you were down and out. Oh, yeah. And now he's going to do that. I don't and know. It's, he was just the king of the extra pass on the power play. That's it. Well, sure. I get that. But beside, beside the point, we're not talking about guys who aren't here anymore. No, we're not. Right now. Um, but I remember like when I would describe what Atkinson brings, I even said like the closest thing that you did have to that on the team last year was Joel Farabee, who started to show, I'm not afraid to shoot. I will. I mean, he had a couple. He just of started ripping them. He had a couple goals that are very, you know, that are that type of goal. Sco goal scorers, we'll goal scorers, goals. Yes, you we know, do. High slot, let it rip, and you know, you you know what was funny? Did you, I don't know. Did you see the um, some of the videos that the team put out from development camp of the guys mic'd up? A couple of the prospects mic'd up. Saw a couple of the Cam York clips, to be honest. Oh, okay, I, I think I'm talking about the Wade Allison ones that I'm thinking of because oh, okay. Wade Al Wade Allison was literally out there with these shooting drills, like. Sitting there, he wanted the ting, if you know what I'm talking about yes. at that point. And Farabee had a few goals like that last year, you know, definitely. And I think that that's what, and, and I'll, I'll segue it over to Wade Allison because Wade Allison already, and I, look, development camp's not the place to go, oh, he's ready, he's ready. It's not. But 
I would be very surprised if Wade Allison is not in camp for a very, very long time. I agree. Quite, quite possibly not only through the last game of the preseason, but on that roster at the end of the year, because he seems like he's taken that step that he's, he's gotten. I don't even know if about that. I think he's, I think he's there. And okay. I think, I think and he I could think, be there, but I think if he's not there, I think it's very, very close. And he's the first name you call if somebody misses time. And I, th- well, I, and I think he's there because it's going, let's do this way. It's going to be somebody who doesn't make a lot of money. It's got to be. And I think you need to prepare. Look, look and look, whether you, wh- whatever you think of the signings, you can think. Prepare yourself for Derek Broussard and Nate Thompson to be part of this team at the beginning in one way or another. And listen, they're going to have 13 forwards. I don't know who's actually playing, who's not. I, I don't can, mind Derek Broussard for the record. I can make it, and I, I can make an assumption. You know, I can make an assumption of who I think the odd guy out is. And now, and I'll, you know, spoiler alert for people who are trying to figure it out. And I don't want to jump to conclusions until I see some training camp stuff to actually say anything. But I'll say spoiler alert in my mind. It's not one of the two names I just mentioned. Okay. So you you can deduct whatever you want from that. Yeah, I'm not sure if Morgan Frost is in the opening lineup. That is well for sure, and but I don't think here's the thing. It's not. I don't think he's the guy who also is the odd man out of the lineup. Either. No, okay. I think I think he's starting at the low, you know, a little bit lower. And I don't think that that does anything to derail his progress. I think no, he, he's still young it, enough that there's still plenty the of time. The issue I have him. the issue I have with Morgan Frost and making this team right away and why they've done what they've done is because how do you back up unless he really 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 shows you something in these preseason games in this training camp with this other competition how do you even put him on this team right away anyway i I fully expect him to play i honestly think he could play half the season with the flyers at least it's just i don't know how he starts here when he's had maximum four games maybe you know maybe even less than that because of the way that the season went how do you do that when he's played that much in a year and a half Right, you got to give him some time You've with, let with him the play. Phantoms and, to get his and, legs back. And I back. mean, listen, and well, and listen. The easy thing that you can do right away is guys like that get all six preseason games. Oh, you yeah. know, you have six oh, preseason yeah. games. I'm not worried about you know, like, listen. I don't need Sean Couturier to play. And if he looks more good than two at the three, end of it, you run with him. And it's and it's funny because I know that we didn't have a preseason last year. So because there was no preseason last year, and there was the year before, which was Elaine Vigneault's first year. Like I remember Elaine Vigneault basically Be a bleeping flyer. Yeah. No, but not just that, but I'm talking about laying laying the hammer down like halfway through camp and going, Yeah, the guy the the vets need more more game time. Not right. just practice time. They need games. So we cut the roster now. And yep. half of these guys are playing tomorrow yep. in a game. And I don't I just don't know that with everything that's still going on, with the way you're gonna have to prepare, with the way that you're gonna especially again, games are gonna be closer together again. I don't think you're going to wear guys down in the preseason. So I like Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux. Take the week off. <laughs> not even, no, it's not even that. They'll practice hard. Yeah. And I fully expect them to do exactly what they did two years ago because here's the thing they have to. Right. Because if you're not practicing like that, especially when that was what was, by all standards, the key to your success two seasons ago and what did you win last year according to your coaching staff which is well we just couldn't get on the ice enough too many games in a row had to take off days to make sure that guys weren't worn down and had recovery time so we never practiced and that's where you work out your issues right. well you want to work out your issues or at least you want to be ready to go you're going to have probably about 3 weeks i mean 
even with these preseason games and a couple of days off, I'm sure, scattered in there because you have the time to do it. Let's put it this way. You don't even start your season when everybody else does. You're going to get through training camp and the preseason, set your roster because there is going to be... around for a week. Well, no, you're not going to sit around. You're going to practice, but you know but you're, what I mean. You're waiting for that game, exactly. So you get through, like essentially, I think you get three extra practice days before you play a game when everybody else has already started. Right. I mean, what a team like I think the Pittsburgh Penguins play on night one. They go right out there and they play on night one. The Flyers get three more nights to get to that point. And so, by all means, take advantage of it. This is what you said the problem was. Take advantage of it, use it to the fullest, and be ready to go. And make the practices as hard as they were two years ago, for sure. You have but, to. But yeah. don't, you know, but don't overwork these guys in the preseason specifically in a game setting where they're going against an opposition, and things can happen. Like you can, can, there's still an element of control in practice, right? Like there's an element of well, just don't take it too far, you know. Like I remember watching scrimmages and guys are colliding with each other possibly and you're and then at that point in time you're like pump the brakes we're not trying to kill each other out here and 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 have injuries but you do run that risk in a preseason game because there's there there is no mercy there there's going to be physical there's going to be physicality from the other team right for sure and you're gonna and and let's be real you're gonna have enough guys on that team and certainly it's fair like again without you don't want to see anybody get hurt but you know who's going to go the hardest it's going to be the guys who go i need to prove that i have a roster spot and I don't get it. It's not guaranteed, you know, like that's it's going to happen. Not an injury, but like you're going to see that hard level of play, even in the preseason. It's going to happen with Cam York and Morgan Frost and Wade Allison because they know they want a spot and they've got to push for it. That's why they started and that's why they're still development camp eligible and why they come back and they do that. And then they go into and, and they'll be part of I'm sure they'll be part of this rookie camp coming up. Whenever sure. rookie or whenever rookie camp is, that's like that little, you know, pre, pre- precursor, yeah, precursor yeah. to the main camp that's coming up, and but they're going to want to show off and show everything they've got and how they fit right away, and they're going to do it magnified. You're not going to see Claude Giroux or Sean Couturier have to worry about that stuff. They know, right? They know. So they've been just, around. So you don't have to worry about that if you're them. So you're not, you know. Look, if you want to play in games, by all means, play in games. And usually the home games in the preseason are reserved for that. That's the perfect opportunity. You're going to play, and then after that, you can go home. And they don't make them they, – they usually – they don't make them travel in the preseason. They go – Play the home games. We're, we're, they're going to Washington, going to Boston. You stay home. You you know finish up your practice, go home, have a recovery night. Just sit there and relax – Put the game on; it'll be on. Yeah, but just relax, you know. Right. And that's what that's what you can take from that. But certainly, you know, back to Faraby. This is one of the guys who doesn't have to do that. And Faraby might be a guy who, as much as you want to get his legs going and things like that, because he's younger, he can probably handle more preseason games. You're even going to be careful with him because you you'll see him play more than Couturier and Giroux. I'm sure he'll probably play four. Yeah. Yeah, I expect them to play probably two, maybe three. He'll probably play four. Exactly. Yeah. And that's fine because you give him a chance to get his legs going. But again, you keep him fresh because he's one of your horses now. You gotta he's gotta be ready for the season. Right. Exactly. That's... And and 
and beyond that, like you, you, you want this, you want him to be as good as he can be. You know what he can be now too. I mean, you kind of, you've already seen it. You've seen what he's capable of. You know, he's still growing as a player too. I just, you know, look, I like everything about his game anyway, because he's in a year where we we questioned effort and we questioned desire and things like that. Here's like the season. He's the one guy who stood out. But not even not even just that. The season was over. You're playing literally. You're playing for nothing. Well, not even that, but you're playing literally the final period of a season that you've realistically known was over for a month. Let's be real. Officially over for about a week, week and a half, but realistically over We've for known. a month. Right. And he's going out there with with such determination. Like he gets a goal in that uh, to start that final game. He's sitting on nineteen. Yep. And he wanted that twentieth more than anything from that he point sure on. Did. And that tells me a lot about the player because that says that I'm willing to go. Just as hard in game eighty two when it doesn't mean anything. Right. If that's how hard he's fighting one. in this game, how hard is he fighting game and I, seven in the Eastern Conference Finals? And I think it's impressive to say that he started his year off a breakout year for him. He started his year off with a four point game. Yeah. Right away. Yep. Four points right off the bat. And then finishes it with a two goal game. While the team was doing well last season, well, doing okay last season, before the team fell off a cliff last season. Let's put okay, it so way. while the team was getting through with good results, right. <laughs> even though they were not playing their best. Before the, the, the bender, yes, Joel Farabee was the most exciting thing about the team. Joel Farabee was starting to rank toward the top of the league in... And he had a little bit of a cold... He, he did have a little bit of a cold streak there for about a month before the COVID break, and then, you know, kind of when the team took a dump... <laughs> but even from that point on, Joel Farabee was still probably their best forward outside of Sean Couturier. You always felt like he had a shot to score a goal last year. That's yeah. kind of the thing. And the fact that this kid, the mental toughness that this kid ex- did distribute, or exhibited last year, just with the team playing <laughs> like they were playing around him, right. the fact that he was always digging, always pushing, always fighting... Joel Farabee never gave up last season. Uh, well, and, look. and with a team that bad, yeah, man, that, that kid's a dog. <laughs> that kid is a dog, and I love it. Look, I love I it. I can't wait till he's wearing an A. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, 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 I was trying to remember. I forget why I wanted to see it. I just know because you know what? Because it's it's the first Sunday of football season, and we've did it. We did a show last year at this time too, because the play. Uh, but ironically, the funny part was like it was thinking, the playoffs. It's the playoffs are going on. The Flyers were like a week removed from being in the playoffs <sighs> to begin with. Man. You know what I mean? Like we were still talking about Oscar Lindblom coming back. Right, but we had a conversation because. I don't even know. Oh, I know why it was. this was the subject. It, again, we were talking about Sean Couturier. The subject reason was because that was when he had he had been awarded the Selkie for the 2019-20 season, yep. which sounds weird to say that it was happening in early September, but whatever. That's not. Um, but, we, but we were talking about if you had to pick, like, so who is the next captain of the team? If you had to pick today or in a week or in a month or in a year or whatever. It's Sean Couturier. We, and we said that. But yep. you thought that Farabee was a guy who I was going to say, like, in the long haul keep an eye on him and I think that you're not that far off I don't think I am either but the kid just there's no quit zero and and that's what this team needs that's what every team needs let's be real 
and look, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out exactly what the problems were in the room. And here's the thing. We weren't there. Right. Media-wise, if we could go down there and kind of get a feel for – not even that we would definitely see anything, but I'm sure we would get a feel for a little something. We would be able to read a little bit more body language if we're down there trying to talk to them in person every single time they lose a game like this. And maybe – here's the other thing, that too. Like, we've said this, too. Maybe they're not that bad of a team if the in-person angle was still, you know, the normal way, right? right? Because if ever, if that's normal, then going out is normal and bubbles aren't a thing. And so maybe they are still going in that direction that they were going two seasons ago last season if everything seemed like it was normal. But it wasn't normal. Right. and we But we couldn't go down there to get a feel for it. So I don't want to speculate on who was exactly the problem areas of the room, who was part of the wrong mix that Chuck Fletcher talked about. But I, I feel safe saying it wasn't Joel Farabee. Right. That Joel Farabee was just this kid who came to work every day. And, right. And felt that like felt such an importance to be as good as he could be because he was building he's building on what he did a year ago too. Like he had a really solid playoff. I mean he didn't score a lot, especially once the second round hit. Well but, even even remember the conversation he had with Elaine Vino in training camp two years ago. You know, right. About you'll be, yeah, back. you'll be back very soon. You'll be back very soon. He went down four points four AHL game, boom, he's back up. And I never looked back. I mean really Done. never looked back. You know what? Done. That was somebody asked that question at his press conference after the extension too. Or what? like at least mentioned it. Like what's up? About that conversation. About being told like going from being told literally within the last two years or three yeah, two years. You'll be back. The start of the twenty nineteen season, twenty nineteen twenty, being told almost two years ago you didn't make the team you're on this trip with with them in czech republic but you didn't make the team but keep yeah i forgot that happened but keep working hard because you're going to be back and, and it'll be real soon like and he goes down and plays those few games and then he's right back up two weeks later he's and, back but yep. now within two years of doing that has signed a long-term extension that says you're an nhl player and also, by the way, time. you're going to make $30 million while right. doing it. To go from Because uh, I don't think level. we mentioned it here, but the AAV is $5 million, by the way. I did I did, oh, did, like, I did hint okay. to it because I said you're going to be making $5 million a year, but I did right. not say the $30 million total, which... Yep. Like, you know what? We almost don't talk about contracts that way anymore, where you go, no. you, you're going to make $30 million. Like, we don't talk about it like that in the NHL because it's all about... It's what all the about the, the, the AAV. Yep. Exactly. You get so, the AAV, and then the next question is, uh, is it buyout proof? But not normally for the first contract out of an ELC, but, you know. <laughs> right. So, look, I'm looking forward. I've already looked forward to the idea of watching his career for years to come. I think now we're, we know even more so that we're going to be doing that. And now we're just going to be know, celebrating that he's underpaid. And I'm not surprised either because, like, here's the thing. He's got local ties because his, his his dad's from the area so he knew the team well and he knew the city a little bit and you know even though he grew up just outside of Syracuse he he's got familiarity with the area it was almost like a kismet moment that he was drafted here because of that and I, I think he likes the idea of being here I'm sure he can get a much nicer place in the area now um, he's he already expressed because a question he got asked not on the press call but like he did a couple of interviews after the fact he actually spoke to my guy Broads on uh, the fanatic good old uh, Broads uh, earlier like literally right after doing that press availability uh, on the day that the contract was signed um, but also 
did you know like did some of the flaw like stuff that the team puts out things like that um and got asked a couple times with the question you know what are you gonna you know what is there something that you would want to buy with the money you know like you're making gonna be making way more right. money what are you, now. What are you gonna do with is, it right. like is there a splurge item and whatever and i mean he he's modest about it he didn't like have anything significant but he did say he wants to try to buy a home that like probably falls on the water up where he's from in in that syracuse nice. area because certainly there's places for that i'm sure and things like that and and that's that's fine but like i do imagine he can also get in addition to hey i want to buy a home in I, new I'm york i'm pretty sure you're, the bank's going to look at him and go oh you have a 30 million dollar contract yeah you sure you can borrow as much as you need buddy well not only that <laughs> but I, like i i think that that means he can also get a pretty decent apartment or something for i mean let's just like it's it's kind of it's kind of like the Carter Hart discussion too. When Carter Hart came up, and you're going, he's twenty. You know, he's sticking. What's no, not even that. No, not even that. It's it's he's twenty. Chances are, then he's he's not looking for permanent residence yet. He buys like he get, he rents an apartment. I'm sure a nicer one. I mean, like let's this way. Carter Hart when he got called up, basically when they told him get a place to stay because you're not going back to the miners, he lived in Jake Voracek's old place. Right, and got it, and was allowed to just have it because <laughs> Jake just know. had an extra house laying around. But in general, it's like you're not like you're uh, just looking. What you're looking to do at that point is is you're looking to live for yourself. Like they they don't have families yet. Right, they will. I mean, by the time this contract's over, Joel Faraby probably will. If he quite, wants to, yeah. Probably. I mean, well, I mean, Travis Konechny's there now. He is. By the way, we we need to mention that. Congratulations, Travis. Yeah, all the pictures going around, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. there's been a, there's been a lot of things going on because I mean, over the course of that time, you know, obviously we've seen that um, Claude Drew and his wife welcomed another baby as well. Yep. Um, Shane Gossesbury, even though now he's a former Flyer, he had gotten married in the middle of all this, and a lot of his team, former teammates went though. Like, I mean, did, right. I don't know if you saw those pictures where like f at least five of them, right? Like, uh, it was no, at least, I missed those. But there was at least five teammates or former teammates anyway, because I mean, Konechny was there. Travis Sanheim was there. Oscar Lindblom was there. Guys like that. I don't know if he was in the picture or not. He might have been. I don't. I think Robert Haig was even there. Like, okay. like these. And it, look, this is the way the hockey community is, right? I mean, we know this. There's guys like that all over the place, you know. So, and it's and let's let's be real. We're not quite to training camps yet, so it it is still that season, if you will, you know yeah. that. You know, it's it's still it's, wet. it's the it's, off season. It, well, in in terms no, but in terms of it's still wedding season and you know all that type of stuff because th we see this all the time. How many of these players who spend from June to August just bouncing around to each other's weddings, and half the time end up shirtless doing a keg stand, yeah, or I something to that I effect. Didn't see as, I didn't see as much of that, but. Well, no, there probably wasn't quite as much, but I'm sure some of it happened. People are just getting anyway. better about pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's 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 move on. I suppose yeah. because you know, so Joel Farabee's contract, you know, it, it's it's nice to know he's locked up. Honestly, I mean, it's fantastic. And, news and, and you to know, know what? He's before we before we wrap on this topic and go to the other thing that's going to dominate yeah. our talk for the week, uh, I do want to say about this contract too. Now that you've done this as well, to. This goes back to, and again, I remember talking about this, I think, with the Couturier one. You know what you're paying the person for a long time. 
and now you really certainty but now you really know like now you know probably two of the biggest ones you have had to sign right after next season so what you're left asking yourself is if rasmus ristolainen works and and if claude drew is willing to come back on a contract that i guess fits both sides completely which it's it, it it might come to that we'll see i mean they're, they're tabling that discussion for now and that's fine i don't think there's any pressure i don't think claude drew is going to sit there and go i'm going to start looking everywhere else before philadelphia no it's, it's pretty this. clear that he He's wants to resign to here and they want him to resign here right it's just a matter of it will it work i think and 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 again it's a matter of if there's any change of heart whatsoever on either side based on the way the year goes right I and i think at this point both parties are willing to make it work i think both parties are willing to at least let the season play out and understand why it can't happen now but also there is, I, I would certainly say there's a desire. Yeah, absolutely. But, but beside the point with that, is there anybody else beyond that outside of guys who either you're going to probably re-sign to close the same amount that they made or they're entry-level guys who, yes, you might have to give them a little bit more, but you're starting to already try to bank on what you may have available. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you may also may be looking at some of these guys and going, are these guys going to be expendable eventually? Right. Like, you know, is Keith Yandel a one-year flyer so that Cam York can come up and the contract is virtually identical? You know? That's fair. Is, you know, is Derek Broussard the same thing for Morgan Frost? Is, or, or Nate Thompson? Or, you know, is is Nick Aubé-Kubel, who has one year left at just over a million dollars, the type of guy who you say, you know what, for the same amount of money, I'll get somebody else to fill the same role. You know, like you start those are the things you have down the line, but it's the big ones that matter because you can worry about evening out money exactly or or this young player's ready to go or whatever at that time. Right. You can't worry about you know, or it's harder to worry about the guy that's gonna make seven million dollars or eight million dollars or whatever. You right. know, like the fact that you have Couturier out of the way. And you know it's under eight million dollars. Bare, I mean, barely, but it's under eight million dollars, and that's yeah, and it's a great thing. And you know Joel Farabee now. Remember and, when Seattle took Carson Twerinski instead of James Van Riemsdyk? I don't think that that's going to be a bad thing, though. No, I, I don't either. But I just in terms of the, the cap, wouldn't be nearly as much of a problem if they took his seven million dollars off the books. And I think this is a year that you can kind of survive the loss of JVR because I think he's going to end up on your third line for most of the season. Here's the thing about that, though. And I'm not trying to sit there and tell you that JVR is going to be the greatest player on the team or anything like that. But I wonder something about the team as 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 we know it right now, as we start to build up excitement and anticipation for a new season with a lot of new faces. I genuinely wonder... If things are very different, if JVR is the guy who goes to Seattle with the way that the rest of the offseason progressed, is really? Cam is Cam Atkinson a flyer? Really? It, like, what well, you don't know because then you're not trying to make the cap dump. You know, you're not worried about trading Jake Voracek's contract. You're not worried about trimming that extra three million dollars off or whatever you save. Right. Like you're not sitting here playing that game because of the fact that you go, well. Now we have to get even more creative because Seattle did nobody any favors. And it's not just like, not just, no, they didn't. but Seattle didn't do the Flyers any favors. They didn't do anybody any favors. Seattle did Seattle favors. Which, but that, but which means that in order to get the cap space to then add Ristaline and add Atkinson, make signings that were cost effective for Yandel and Thompson and Broussard and, 
and taking a chance on Martin Jones at $2 million. You had to make you some know. costly trades. But you made the trades based off of that. You made right. trades in that involved like Shane Gossespierre, second well, round pick. Well, Shane Gossespierre, I think, was going to be a guy they would have tried to trade anyway. I understand. But like, but like here's here's the what I mean. The need became a high. Sure, but here's what I mean by that too. If you lose JVR in expansion, even if you trade Gossespierre to free up more money, are you trading Robert Haig with? everything else to get rest in at that point because it didn't sound like it was necessary it was done because the flyers literally had to throw in we need something out of here that makes like that's a player who makes money on the books because that's the only way we're going to make this work right and they did and then again I, I still go back to do they trade jake voracek and his contract and try to make that a one-for-one -one deal where the whole contract goes do they do that if that if all that doesn't have like doesn't happen the way it does and are they out there Maybe trying not. to make and are they out there trying to make cost-effective signings for Brassard and and Yandel and guys like that because because at the end of the day if someone told them two days before well not two it was two days before the draft but two days or like a week before free agency someone's going to give you seven million dollars no strings do you think you're worried about making trades at that point or are you going to go out there and look at the free agent market and go you know what I'm making a call to said name, you know? Right. Eh, you might be right about that. Like, That's fair. Because, because now you actually had money to throw around. You didn't have money to throw around. So what you, the best method you could take was I've got to trade this guy for this guy and move this and do that. And, and it, became, it became this it – be, it became a math test mixed with, you know, Tetris in a way, like trying to balance out what fits properly. How can we get under the cap to make this all work? Which, to be and, fair, I think Chuck Fletcher absolutely aced. Uh, here's the reason why it's a good offseason, no matter not no matter what happens, but to an extent already it's a good offseason for him because you needed to make changes. We all knew that. But on top of that, there was no easy way to do this. And there was definitely not an easy way to address virtually every need you had from – Top pair defenseman to maybe adding another defenseman, backup goalie, third line center, some change, veteran yo, depth, veteran depth, penalty killing help. Like you needed help in every physical area possible, and somehow or other found a way to do it. He did it in, all in such a way. I mean, and, and listen, there's always going to be that person out there who says, "But they didn't get a forty goal score." You don't know that yet. And I mean, they're trying to develop a couple, I would say. And and look, would you like the proven commodity? Everybody would, hey. absolutely. But you weren't going to be able to go and get twenty people in one off. I mean, look, he tried. Like, you, but you weren't going to be able to get twenty players in an off. Like, you don't overturn a roster with ten players, possibly, or you know, in this case, at least six, seven guys. You don't do it with all stud players who play top six or top four right you just don't like some of it is the guys who fill a specific role and that's all that they do and i like, think i think the biggest risk of that bunch is martin jones i, I if, if i'm looking at the lineup right now moves aside right like we all questioned the rasmus wrist alignment trade but he's here and the move's done and you know he's in the roster so right. looking at the roster right now i think the biggest question mark is that backup goalie slot and I don't know if I trust Martin Jones. I, there's two things I'll say about this. Because first of all, I, don't stop worrying about not trusting Martin Jones. Because I see, look, I, I, I'm not saying that that's not the area to be concerned about. 
don't be, you don't shouldn't be concerned about him as much as you should be focused on Carter Hart needs to be himself and then Martin Jones will fall in the line one way or the other. And and I say this because number 1, if you're relying on Martin Jones to save you, then that's where your problem lies. What you need is Carter Hart to be the guy who builds a, well, I can I can live with and I'm not kidding when I say this. If Carter Hart is his usual self, you can live with Martin Jones being 500 Brian Elliott, if you will. Rec- record-wise, but in terms I'm, of... I'm concerned that poor Martin Jones results. And I I don't know. I, I haven't even seen a 500 goalie out of him the last couple of years. I just mean by record. I'm not talking about Sapers. <sighs> like, I know what you're looking at, but... Uh, but I'm concerned that if Martin Jones struggles, it will force Carter Hart to play more and too much. And I Fair. Much, I, I was hoping that they would go out and get somebody who would be able to take maybe some more starts. I know there were kind of a lot of uh, tandem-type guys out there this offseason. And being able to pick up a backup who could reliably start 30, 35 games would have been kind of nice. And I think that would have helped Carter Hart transition a little bit better. Martin Jones, I'm concerned oh. that if he plays poorly, Elaine Vigneault cuts him off at 22. Okay, so I I understand then. So your concern is not he can't play more games. It's if he's not good enough, they're going to turn to somebody not, else. And 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 the only somebody keep else playing is playing Carter Hart. Hart. Right, right. It's not I, it, it, right. Well, because I, th- I I think I saw somewhere, and I can't remember if it was just the last three full seasons, maybe like full 82s, or if it was the last three seasons in general, but I don't think there's a goalie who started more games or played in more games in the last three, four years than Martin Jones in the league. Wow. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, before we get to the actual two shortened seasons where teams didn't make it to 70 or in this case, the 54 game season, he had played four straight seasons, four straight 82 game seasons where his game's play total was, was the number of starts he made. He never got like inserted into a game that he right. didn't start. Wow. And the number and the numbers are 65, 65, 60, and 62. <sighs> Jesus. So, that's a lot of hockey. It is. But that's why there's, there's also an angle to playing him fewer and farther between will make him better for the lack of work because of the fact that you get more. First of all, it, it, you get more practice time. Everything depends on that. Yeah. 34-year-old starter and okay. okay. Oh, your mic was cutting out. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, it's all right. We good now? Yeah. All right. Uh, I said it's it's kind of like taking a a 34-year-old starter and giving him a shot in the bullpen. Like I, it's, I, you're changing his role, and it's not. It doesn't always translate. I get your analogy. It's not the best one because the the, the alt no because the reason being is because. That if you change the guy's role in baseball from a, from a whatever age starter to bullpen role, you're sometimes you're sitting here saying, "I don't need you to be the guy you were five years ago and give me six. I need well, you to give me two. Well, that's what you're saying to Martin Jones. Yeah, but I'm talking about from a game length well, standpoint. Like you're asking him to still play okay, the game fair. the same way. It's just maybe make fewer starts. You know what I mean. It's close enough. <laughs> No, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I understand if, if anybody's coming into the season and the only thing you have doubts on are, I don't know what Ristolainen's going to be and I don't know what Jones is going to be, 
because I don't even think you can make that argument about Nate Thompson. I can understand why people roll their eyes at Nate Thompson sign at like the we know what he's going to be. But you know what he's going to be, and he's I don't think be medium. And, no, and I don't think that that's a problem if you use him properly. And by use him properly, I mean forty games max. Right, as your fourth line center, and as a guy, or, or if he ends up playing fifty or something like that, it's because there are injury issues, and you're giving, and you're not going to play Morgan Frost for eight minutes a night, right? Because it's not worth it. That's just that's not, not who that's he should not be. A... That's not how he should be used. So that that's where I I get it, but like I don't feel like you're questioning. Oh, I don't know what Nate Thompson can bring, or if he like or what, like you know his role and you know what how he should be used. I even think like, well, we said this about these guys anyway. We like these signings anyway. The other ones like, Broussard for his role should be good, and Yandel for his role should be good because we know what they are and we know what they're capable of, and we've seen that they are still capable of good things when used properly. So if if Keith Yandel comes in and is power play specialist and plays third pairing minutes and gives you exactly the production that he gave in Florida on the power play and, and, and so on, you'll be fine. But yeah, it needs to, but it does need to be that. But if that's what you can expect, it'll be fine. And yeah, I it's think every, it's everybody else. This team. But, but it's everybody else. It's Ellis needs to be as advertised. It's wrist and You need to hope for that bounce back, that change of scenery thing. What's Atkinson at this stage of his career? What's, you know, what does Martin and, and Martin Jones do? But but I don't think that everybody like I feel like we're doing this and we're saying it about Martin Jones specifically when it comes to the goaltending. And again, I, I think we need to be questioning everybody, you know, like it's Carter Hart needs to bounce back. That's a byproduct of Martin Jones performance. And it's the same thing going across the board. Like Kevin Hayes wasn't healthy last year. So if he's healthy this year, he should have a better year, right? He should. Yeah. So there you go. And and everybody, Sean Couturier was never really fully healthy in, in the grand scheme of things. If he's ready to go, he should be better. You know, Scott Lawton needs to be better. Aubrey Kubel needs to be better. Like, there's a whole list of guys that we can sit there and say, well, they need to bounce back as much as any of these new guys need to be better than they were maybe in the previous stop. You know? By like, the way, I, I think, sorry, you mentioned Kevin Hayes, and I think Kevin Hayes is going to come out as a monster this year. I think he's got an awful lot to play for. I, I, think I believe he I said that last show. Awful, awful lot to play for. I, by the way, there was an. I think. I think he put I think it. You're on, gonna say what I'm gonna say, well, or no, I what think, I was gonna say. Well, yep. no, I, but he put it on his Instagram at some point. But he, I don't know if if, if you saw this or not. But he he did specifically. Um, it was. I don't think he took the video. I think it was. Um, it was a TSN was, video. No, no, no. It was. Oh no, I wasn't. I'm not talking about from the. Uh, from no, the you're service. not talking about from the service. Okay. No, but I did go back and I did go back and watch his. <sighs> Man, that was a tough watch. That was that was a tough watch. Tough no, watch. it was it was actually just the other day because apparently I, I assume that like so Jim so Jimmy's wife and kids were either in town because I I assume in town because I, I assume Kevin Hayes is back completely unless right. unless he went back up to the Boston area for, completely a, not for impossible. a week for a weekend or whatever. Which is but, not impossible at but, this point. But the video had to do with start uh, something like starting them young or something like that and it's one of it's it's jimmy's oldest son playing with i get you know his uncle right out there and they're just running around having a good time and and oh no that's and, awesome and, and 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 it was funny because the the kid got a big 
big smile on his face after you know scoring or whatever and just play like and and they're just goofing off and you can totally see the personality i mean like you see that you see jimmy so the kids a haze got it oh yes that in every sense of of the you know exactly what i mean when i say that the hayes yeah. family is is but it was just nice, the hayes it, family but it was just nice to see because we like it's not a surprise we we already have that idea of what a tight-knit family they are anyway and you know and there you go like it was just awesome it was so yeah. cool well you know i i think that just about does it for the conversation on the present day flyers yeah, so let's go to a new conversation where we yeah. have a little bit of stuff to talk about. And yeah, so we do have a conversation about the, the days of Flyers past, as it were. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, some some more distant than others, but yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> some um, not nearly distant enough. <laughs> uh, so the Flyers have announced six finalists for induction into their the Flyers Hall of Fame. So I'm trying to figure out exactly when this all came to be. I think it was... So the Tuesday after our last show, there was word that there was, you know, th this new committee had formed and they were going to go back to doing this. I have to go and pull up the list again. Yeah, I can read the list off. I have it up here. Oh, no, no, no not of the finalists. Oh, OK, OK. The, the list of of like when they last, um, you know, when they last inducted. I know the one that I do know when they last inducted. The last inductee was Jimmy Watson in um, I February, believe, February of 2016. But. But to kind of go over, because again, we were talking about this before we started recording, the gaps between when they do the, because they had a couple of these re in a row over the course of a couple of seasons. So this really came back with the dual induction of John LeClaire and Eric Lindros. That was the first of of one in a like kind of a long running. Right. They kind of brought you know, it back. And they did that. And then here's the, here's the catch with that. So they do that ceremony. And a lot of players from that team are there, right? Like Michael Renberg comes out and joins them because bringing they back did the Legion of Doom Legion thing. Legion of Doom is back there, but but other guys who they played with because at that point in time, like, let's at that point in time, Chris Terrian was still working for NBC, so he comes out because he was a teammate with them. Eric Desjardins there, you know, and then Eric Desjardins was there. Love and, me some Eric Desjardins. Eric Desjardins was there going in later that season. Love me some Eric Desjardins in NHL '99. Eric Lindros on the cover. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, so Eric Desjardins went in like right, like right after, and then the following year they did Rod Brindamore, and then Jimmy Watson was the last one. Right. So they had four ceremonies and five inductees in a two-season span. Right. And then nothing. Right. And that's that's the thing. It's like it's just sporadic. They pull it together and decide well, when they want to boost the PR. Here, here's the thing. So I'm looking at the whole list now, and you go, okay. They formed this in 1988, the, the Hall of Fame, and they have their first ceremony, and they induct the first two most obvious people way back when when um, the pause was going on. If you remember us doing shows about the greatest flyer bracket. Oh, man. The dark days. But these were yeah, the dark days when there was nothing on. I know. Um, they, these were the two names, the very first two names in the Flyers Hall of Fame. These were the two names that stood out among all the rest when we were picking among players anyway. That, so these these were the obvious top two. They were the first two in the Hall of Fame. So it was Bob Clark and Bernie Perron. Oh, it wasn't Andrew McDonald and Andre Mazaros. Long before their NHL careers. <laughs> Long. Before. Oh, okay. So so the, and by the way, as I'm looking, I didn't realize this. So as as I'm looking, very consistent by the way in terms of 
March of 88, those two go in. March of 89, the next year, Bill Barber, Keith Allen, Ed Snyder. Okay? Fair enough. Makes a lot of sense. March of 90, Rick McLeish, Fred Chero. March of 91, Barry Ashby, Gary Dornhofer. Like, you're consistently doing this March. Okay, and then they started to switch the month a little bit just based off, I guess, the way the schedule dictated. But at the same time, it's still every year. So 92, Gene Hart, Reggie Leach, 93, Joe Scott, Ed Van M, 94, Tim Carr. Like, you're starting to continue this trend. They skipped, took a season off. Now, I, I'm going Was to take Was that the lockout? I think so. Okay. So I think they. So I think the lockout shortened into '95 year. They didn't do it. Fair and enough. Then, and then they come right back in '96, and Joe Watson gets inducted. And then they took two years off legitimately. And now again, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think that that was the final year of the Spectrum. So they opened a new building. I think they were so focused on the new building they didn't have any uh, of them for a Bobby, year. Bobby Clark and Eric Lindros skated a lap, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, <laughs> you know. They did the spectrum thing. But it's twofold because in I think so in fall of ninety six they opened the building and by summer of ninety seven they're in the Stanley Cup final. Right. So it's a you know well, you, technically they're in the Stanley Cup final. They were never really in the Stanley Cup final. I mean they're playing in it. They're they made an appearance. <laughs> oh, they qualify? I think even appearance is a little strong. All right, well anyway. Come on, look at who was on those Detroit teams. Let's stop. Oh, no, I'm not saying they didn't deserve to get murdered, but they got kind of murdered. But so the bottom line is that, so anyway, bottom line, there's not a whole lot that happened for a couple of years leading up to. You know, like, it took until 99 for the next inductee to go in. That was Brian Prop. Then another two years go by, and uh, you do it again. So then Mark Howe goes in. Then again, two-year gap. It's, it's probably the Wachovia Center by now. Yeah, but it's not like it's a new building. Like it's not like no, I know. Else significant. So, well, it's no longer the first Union Center because right, I remember okay. those days. So two thousand four, Dave Poulin, two thousand. That and see, here we go again. Now the gaps are getting bigger. Two thousand four, then two thousand eight, Ron Hextall, two thousand nine, Dave Schultz, and that's fine. But then there was then a five year gap until we get to the Lindros Leclerc inductions, and now a gap from sixteen till now. And I get it. Last year you weren't going to do this. The year before you could have, but it got and things got cut short. So you could have actually been sitting on like who there somebody and there's somebody whose ceremony or was, was supposed to happen and got bumped because of all the stuff last year. Maybe it was maybe it was maybe it was, no what like not for the Flyers, but it was like maybe it was Chris Pronger even like wasn't that Chris Pronger's right. retirement supposed to happen a year ago Something and they like that. never even got it scheduled because of everything. Um, but. Regardless, we, we do finally get to our nominees. Uh, in the 21-22 season, one or maybe more of the following right. uh, the, are the, eligible to be inducted. The catch was, and it was detailed in their ex explanation of the process, that a committee was going to nominate multiple people. So the, I don't know what – we're, we're going to talk about six specifically – I don't know what the list completely started at. It could have been something in the range of 15 to 20, honestly. Right. Like you could have sat it there. It could have been higher than are, that. These yeah. are 20 names that we think could be, and then you pass it over to a group that is going to sit there and say, hey, here are the finalists, and that's what goes to vote among a whole bunch of people. It's alumni. It's Hall of Fame. All Flyers, of Fame. Hall, Flyers Hall of Fame members, Flyers alumni, members of the front office, broadcasters, and members of the Philadelphia chapter of the PHWA. Collect, yeah, the only thing that it does not actually is go to the fans. 
interestingly enough. I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, a little, but not overly. But anyway, so. But on this year's let's list. Go ahead and, yeah, let's go ahead and give the six and then get into it. In alphabetical order. Yes. Simone, Simone Gagne, Paul Holmgren, Bob Kelly, Lou Nolan, my boy, Mark Recchi, and Rick Tockett. All right. Where do you want to start? If Lou doesn't get in, I'm going to riot. Okay, I agree with you there. I think that he absolutely should get in too. I think this is it would be long overdue. Lou Nolan belongs on the Flyers Mount Rushmore with Ed Snyder, Gene Hart, and probably Bobby Clark. <laughs> well, that, that's Mount Rushmore right now. You're talking about somebody who's been there from day one. Yep. I mean, literal day one. If Lou doesn't get in, this guy is very upset about it. I will be. I will be upset about it as well because I, you know what? For especially for all the times that I've seen it, like even when there wasn't a discussion, like there was, like I'm saying, meaning there wasn't a discussion to be had. It's not like they were talking about, oh, we're going to do this, you know, like we're going to have Hall of Fame ceremonies coming up or whatever. Like in the even in it's in the years when there's none of that, and people go, no, they should. Put Lou Nolan into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Correct. And you go, you know what? Based on that amount of discussion, I think that now that he's actually a finalist, this should be a no-brainer. And Correct. and and, by the, and for what it's worth, now I can't speak for everybody. I can't speak for the other Flyers Hall of Fame members or the, you know, I was I don't want to say the broadcasters, but right. the media and the broadcasters, I probably can see a little bit more of where people might be thinking, if you will, because because there were a lot of media members that went. Hey, it's really cool that Lou Nolan's a finalist. So I can imagine he's probably going to get a few votes. Well, right, and I don't, I don't know what the voting criteria exactly is in terms of like how many votes you need to get in or where the numbers are and et cetera, et cetera. If only one person gets in, it better be Lou Nolan because I don't think- on that list, I don't see anybody. Okay, a lot of those guys deserve a spot. They're all deserving finalists. I don't have a problem with anybody being on that list. I don't. Ha- I have a problem with anybody getting one spot over Lou Nolan. I don't think it's going to be one, and I don't think it's going to be one. I agree. I don't think it's going to be one because it's been so long that you're going to have enough people who go. These people should really be in. And let's face it: if you do two or three, that means you get to do two or three nights about it. No, I think it's all going to oh, be one. Do they do it all on the same night? Okay. No, I I agree with you because in the, in the past, like. Okay, it was a no-brainer years ago to sit there and say if, if John LeClaire and Eric Lindros are going in, they should go in together. They go They've in together, right. Together. But, I mean, like like we said, Eric Desjardins went in later that year. He was there that night. They didn't sit there and say, you're crashing that night too. We're putting you in. I mean, he was part of, and he, he was part of the same teams. Right, they could have done it. So I, I actually I like it better when they do it the other way around, I'll admit. I, I think it's better if you can give – for the most part, I'm not going to sit there and say that they could like couldn't double some people up. Uh, people who make sense to me. Now, 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 granted, it is also more the classic way to do it. Like we're looking at it now and going, they would do two ceremonies like this a year to one, add two people. One day when Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier go into the Flyers Hall of Fame, do they go in together, or do they each get their own night? Depends on when they're done playing. Okay. Because <laughs> I can't guarantee you that Sean Couturier is going to be that far removed from his playing days to then go into To just go straight into like the rafters. Right. Well, when they would do something with Claude Giroux. You know, That's fair. If, you know, if, when, which, let's be real, it, it shouldn't, it's probably not going to be an if. Hello. Right. Uh, 
It's even, it's not an if at this point. He's your he's been your captain for more than a decade, like or for almost a, a decade. He's what third in game or second in games played. Right. He's not not going into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Well, exactly. well, we'll see. We're going to get into that argument in a minute. I'm sure because like we're going to not not the Drew argument. I'm talking about like about deserves where, to be about, there about where people rank in certain categories and then how yeah. we think that they're deserving enough of this. I I certainly think if a guy is ranked top five in all of those categories except for essentially except for goals that I think he's going into the Flyers Hall of Fame when his playing days are done. Hey, yeah. um, all right, so back to the uh, whole like well back to the process a little bit too because so like I just mentioned that list of names who are in the Flyers Hall of Fame already like I think that that second ceremony that had three people go in at one time that was all done collectively. So like they did three people the same night and inducted all three and all three of them spoke I sh- I'm sure and things like that. so like I think it's just more of a classic approach to it, but we're so used to, like, you know what it is that we're used to? We're used to either one a year or we're used to them spacing them out more. Like, if we go back to, I think I said it was Hextall in 08. Hextall went in by himself, and then Dave Schultz went in the next year. And then it was the Lindros LeClaire one doubled up, but that made a lot of sense. And then Desjardins by himself. And then Brindamore by himself. And then Jimmy Watson by himself. Like, we've been, for over a decade... We've been used to the idea that it's basically here's one new addition, one new inductee. They're gonna, it's their night, and that's it. And instead, I think what you're gonna get is it's just going to be Flyers Hall of Fame night. And Here here's everybody. And it's going to be. I think they're trying to do it like so that they can pick a night based on when everybody who would get inducted is completely available, which makes sense. Well, it, it makes sense, but in my opinion, I don't think it. If it's if it's the people who I think it's going to be, it shouldn't be that difficult. Okay, because <laughs> losing the building every night. Well, losing the building every night. Yeah, <laughs> that's. But I wouldn't be shocked if the other two that I'm thinking of aren't there pretty frequently. Okay, so if you're filling out a, ba- a ballot and you get a one, two, three, <laughs> who, who's your one, two, three here? Okay, because you're you're not terribly far removed from potentially getting a vote in one of these things. Oh, one day. I don't know about that. Hey, you're you're closer than I am. All right, fair enough. <laughs> um. Well. We already discussed Lou Nolan, so I think Lou Nolan's got to uh, be Hello. Ding, ding, ding. Right. Um, so, right. Gagne, Holmgren, Kelly, Recky, Tockett. Okay. Uh, again, I want to start this off by saying that, and I tweeted this out when the list came out. Anybody who goes in, and I've uh, the funny thing is, is that I've actually watched on Twitter how there are people who go, oh, come on, this person shouldn't be in. Like, no, I've, these I've, guys I've, are all right. Oh, these, they all would be deserving in some is, way. Is Tockett the easy name to pick off here? Yes. And and I completely disagree just because of what he did for the franchise. Just he was a huge part of that this team for a very long time. I'm not saying he won't. I'm not saying he won't make it eventually. I just no. I know. Now, I, think I just that, mean the people yeah. who are criticizing his his inclusion in this finalist list are completely disregarding what he did for this team. I think what happens when this type of discussion comes up too is that people then don't realize how much of an impact said players had on the team either. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, there's an element to that where if, like, you just don't realize what a player did or whatever. And this is, like, this discussion goes back, like, I'm throwing one off, off top of my head here without trying to go into too much detail. But like, Gagne, for example. There were a couple people who actually put out there later, like, wait a minute, Gagne played how many games for the team? It didn't feel like that. It was a lot of games, man. And I go, like, you sit there and go, exactly. That's why we're having this kind of, like, you might not think he's the best 
representation of the greatest success stories in Flyers history. Wh- whoever you, whoever you're thinking of, but there's only a handful that really get to that level. You know what I mean? Like I understand you did look. Not everybody can be Bobby Clark. You know, like no. you want. I, I understand where you want people. Like honestly, by this stage of the whole thing, if they're not inducted by now then what are you doing? Like, right. if the player who is that, that high on the lists of everything, and let's just say, you have one. He's just not done playing yet, so he's not going to the Flyers Hall of Fame now. But I think he'll, he's going to walk off the ice directly into the Flyers Hall of Fame. Just, just he retires, and just the next door he opens is the Flyers Hall of Fame. Um, right. But hopefully that's not going to be for a very long time, Claude. You're not going anywhere, buddy. <laughs> All right, so I'm try- I'm pulling up the article I wrote where I kind of detailed what each yeah. person did just so I can kind of make a claim for everybody, so to speak. Um, so let's see here because it's really – like I said, every single one of them would be deserving. Yes. I think personally – and this might not be popular. You might not think this is popular. I'm going with it anyway. Talk it's the easy one to exclude right away because I think – from a his numbers aren't flashy enough right not compared to the rest of the people on the list not compared to the overall impact that he would have had on the franchise compared to the others i understand he's not even down to he's not even like lou nolan's been here forever the other guys some of the other ones on the list been here forever it feels like right? right like as long as some people can remember watching this team these people have had an association with this team and I, and Tockett has not. Tockett has coached in other places. Tockett has played in other places. He, did, you know, he had two different times. You know, played with the Flyers twice over his career, different times. Finished his career here, I believe. In addition to starting it, you know, like you got some stuff here. Yeah. But I don't think that he goes in immediately when you. Let's just say you would have to have six inductees if he's going to go in right now. You're not wrong. I think I think Gagne is a tough one because Gagne is more than deserving by all accounts. I just wonder if there's going to be an element of before we tap into that era, put a bow on the others. Right. And I think that's where I'm at with him. I think you're definitely going to get two. I think Nolan's going to go in. I think Paul Holmgren's going to go in because I just know how it works. Okay. Not Paul, saying that's who I would vote for. I'm just saying that's how it's going to work. Okay. I think Paul Holmgren is going to go in as well because of the fact for two reasons. First of all, the overall involvement he has, four decades worth of time with the Flyers. Fair in, enough. In, in every single role you can have from player to coach to management to senior advisor to just being there. All he didn't do was wash the towels. Kind of. And, and you know, he might have done that one day. And literally... We're doing this show on the heels of the announcement that he is also going to be inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Fair enough. I think that the stars are aligning for everybody to sit there and go, this is a big, this is a year where they honor Paul Holmgren in terms of U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, Flyers Hall of Fame. You've dedicated your entire life almost as from being a younger, you know, when you played to now still being around this team you're going in so is this is this an attempt to convince him to ride off into the sunset and finally retire and get away from this team he already is semi-retired i i really personally i'm not kidding when i say this i do not get why people get so frustrated about what his current association with the team no i know it's 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 all residual from his tenure as gm 
Because I, and I get that. And that's why I said, I go, listen, younger fans and people who have, haven't been watching this team as long have their thoughts about him as a general manager. And I get that. But whether you and whether he was a great, you know, like whether he was. But his service to the team is unmatched. Right. It doesn't matter it's, if he wasn't like yeah. it doesn't matter that on those teams he wasn't the best player on the team or wasn't the best coach in franchise history or any of that. It doesn't matter because right. over the course of time, he literally from the time he stepped on the ice wearing the jersey for the first time, almost in the entire time since, almost never stepped away from the franchise. I think there was like a year right, where he was not part of the franchise and then was right back. Like, how how many people do that, especially in this this type of a business where change just consistently happens? Yep, that's fair. You know, so for him to go through that and and to – to work through that, to go not just go from being a player coach and then oh he, he was a GM too. No, no, no. He rose through the ranks to GM as an I assistant, know. as a scout, right. player development. Like you, you, you can only wear so many hats before you are just told you're one of the greatest people in the yeah. organization. You I just mean, get there on pure volume, right? But now, uh, yeah. So I think now um, I will now I will say so. Holmgren, the stars are aligning for Holmgren. I think, and right. I, and I do think that, and I think there is enough of a campaign i'll call it for lou nolan because yeah. of his longevity as well yeah now, again if, if he doesn't get in i think everyone's going to be very upset no now if that's the case then i would tell you that my third should be bob kelly yeah i don't know i think you have an opportunity they might just do bob kelly and kind of close off the bullies i know you kind of mentioned earlier just put a capstone on the old era but i think you're going to get a little bit of a vote split on that and you're going to get enough people uh, going for the newer generation. So I think you're going to get Nolan, you're going to get Holmgren, and then I think you're going to get one of either Gagne or Recky. I think there's a hold on it, though. I really, and I, again, I really think that you, what you do you is... You might be right about that. Look, and the reason I say this is because all three of those names, Holmgren, Kelly, and, and Nolan, all three of them, they almost fit the bill of like everybody who's sitting there. Like you almost go, they're not in yet, right? Like how are they not in? Yet? I mean, Bob Kelly in his career, by the way, only scored a cup clinching goal, and then yep. on top of it, on top of being the exact type of player that the city loves, because he would do everything. He hit people. He fought people. He could score sometimes. You know, he has one of the biggest goals in franchise history. Yep. And then on top of it, he is a community staple. I was going go to say he's been event, a team ambassador everywhere. for thirty years. I mean, I, I've, I believe I've told you away from the show. I've had converse. I've been able to meet him several times, have conversations with him. I also have done the same with Lou Nolan, by the way. And they are both incredibly kind people very you know just exactly what you expect from people who are in that type of hockey community that love and respect the game love and respect the fans love being men of the people and that they belong in this thing absolutely uh, yeah and, 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 I, and, and then i look i do i do i view paul Holmgren the same way no okay. but like and I say, as, as as a man of the people, he right. was always so busy in his roles. I don't think he was going around shaking hands. He's a little more on the Bob Clark side of things, right? But right. at the same, but at the same time, longevity matters. I mean, longevity matters for Bob Bob Clark in the same right. way, does it not? Like, no, it sure does. On the team, I now, I I would now when I when I even saw that they were doing this, as much as these weren't the first, like honestly, none of these three were the first names that immediately popped into my head at first because now i thought player first obviously so that's why like 
and 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 even though Holmgren and Bob Kelly they were players. Yeah, I don't know how Luke Nolan's not in. They were not star like they weren't star players. Let's just say it like that. I suppose they're, like, they were They're they, not they being inducted because of their playing career. Right. I, exactly. But I think I think exactly. So I looked at it and I went, "How is Mark Recchi not in this Flyers Hall of Fame when he's a hockey Hall of Famer?" How many games did Mark Recchi have with the Flyers? Uh, I'll find it for you because I'm sure I wrote it down. Okay. Because I think that's probably your big limiting factor is he just put, he spent so much time elsewhere. You know, like, does Chris Pronger deserve a spot because he played his last couple of years here? When, when no. The but, majority, but I think that's kind of how people look at it, even though Mark Recchi had okay. more productive years than Chris and Pronger I, did. And I disagree with that thought because Mark Recchi played 602 games here. Okay. And the reason, okay. And I, well, I know, and here's why, and here's why I disagree with it. I understand why people are torn on Mark Recchi because when your biggest career successes come in Pittsburgh and in Carolina and in Boston, here's the funny part: he played 20 games in Carolina before that playoff run. That's then, it. Then won a cup and left. I'm not kidding. love it. Well, and or, and I, it's not even that he left. You know what it is? He was playing for Pittsburgh at a time when Pittsburgh wasn't that good yet. Right. Got traded to Carolina for the playoff run, and then later had the same thing happen eventually when he went to Boston. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it just worked out that way that they gave him chances to win another cup, and he did. Man, he was a monster I understand, in Boston. For- and, I, and I understand the career successes were not there in Philadelphia like that. Like they and I think that's the thing. The problem I have with that argument is, is I'm sorry, a guy who put up 232 goals and 627 points in 602 games. Fair enough. Is, and not only that, but who spent more time in this particular, with this particular team than any other team in his career. I know he bounced around and he won cups with other teams. I get right. it. He never had the longevity with even some of those other teams that he had in Philadelphia, even with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I thought he was closer to the 400-game mark. I didn't realize he played that many. Wow. Okay. And that's, and that's, that's why enough. I think he belongs in because, to me, it's – okay. Another another sport comparison, uh, ironically. Okay, it's a football Sunday, and we're doing – we make two baseball references in this podcast. What's going on? Um, it's, the Cooper's, it's the Cooperstown hat on the plaque okay. argument. Right. Because you go, well, which team do you identify them with the most when they go into the overall Hall of Fame for the entire sport? Right. And and certainly, like, like that's the thing. It's not Chris Pronger. Because like, cause for Chris Pronger, I'm going to think of him as a blue. Yeah. St. Louis is where I think of him first. That's fair. And then I think of him in Anaheim. Probably. I was going to say Anaheim is up there for me. Anaheim, he does not have the longevity, though. He Yes, he, his that's biggest fair. success overall came... In Anaheim, I agree. But he also you know, never. You said it. identifiable. You didn't necessarily say longevity. If if winning a cup makes you more identifiable, you know, if that's more memorable. I go by longevity as much so because I sit there and I think about what made you a name in the league. Like by the time Pronger won a cup in Anaheim, he was already a longtime All Star player. Okay, fair and, enough. And, and had also, by the way, had also had his shot to win a cup with Edmonton, which was a very short lived thing anyway. But still, like, but there you go. Like, what if he didn't stay in Edmonton, and they won the cup? Right. Do we identify with him as an Edmonton Oiler for one season because he won a cup there? Or do we sit there and go, well, your bigger successes were like, like, I don't identify Mark Recchi as a Carolina Hurricane. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. I don't. I know he won a cup there. I don't. No, that's fair. In the same way that I don't identify, like, 
I wouldn't identify him as a Boston Bruin first. No, I would either go Flyer or probably Canadian. Actually, well, Pittsburgh has a, an argument, too, because he started that's, his career in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but that's unpleasant to think about, so I just don't think about it. I know, but he probably <laughs> – that's the next closest, though. But, yeah, but it's unpleasant, so I don't think okay, about it. Okay, fine. Then you don't think about it. But, but, okay, so fine. Dude, put the shoe on the other foot, then. Simone Gagne won a cup in L.A. Do you identify him as a king first? Uh, no. Okay, but he okay. So he played eleven years here, and because he had much shorter time there, but his greatest success came out there. Well, sure, but Chris Pronger wasn't in St. Louis for eleven years. That's not. No, I'm not talking about for that though. But I'm saying, I'm saying, Mark Recchi played ten years in Philadelphia though. Wow, just that's because, crazy to think right, about. But just because his greatest success did not happen here, you don't no, identify with him because oh, he didn't win cups here. Okay, so Gagne didn't either. Right. And Gagne, no, I, and Gagne could have won. And Gagne could have won two. Like, Gagne won one with the Kings and then could have won one with Boston. You, you identify Jeff Carter as a King, though, right? Uh, yes. Okay. How about Mike Richards? Probably more so because he was on both of those teams. But, yeah. Like, it's much closer with Richards because he was a captain here. That's the tough part. Right. That's fair. Carter, I think, became something even more than what he was in Philadelphia when he got to L.A. You're Richard, not wrong. Richards did not have nearly as long of a shelf life after those cup years, and that's a big difference. After that, they identified him as a suspect. Yeah, well, yeah, I hear you. So, no, so I look at it and I go, it, to me, as a Hockey Hall of Famer, Mark Recchi is a flyer. That's me. I understand people who have the argument for other teams. He did start his career in Pittsburgh. He had that long stretch in Montreal. I get it. I think he's a flyer. And I don't know how, in the very least... To me, anyway, somebody who played with the franchise for that long, I don't know how when you are rolling out the red carpet for guys who get inducted into the Hall of Fame and then get their number retired, Right. how at least he's not in your team Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm, I'm... I can understand the argument for, okay, listen, first of all, there's two things with Recky's number. Number one, it's actually identifiable on the, in this franchise for two people. Okay. Because you could sit there and say, number eight, it's Mark Greggy. No, number eight's Dave Schultz. You could make that argument, and it's not like it hasn't been like now. Even and if they ever retire the number, I think they retire it for Dave Schultz. I I think you could look. You could also pull a New York Rangers or some of these other teams and go. It's two people. That's fair. I mean, you there's could. no reason why you can't. I think the numbers they have retired have been so very clearly identifiable with one person. They, I think they easy. would hesitate to. Now, now, granted, I mean, look, Mark Howe finally got his number retired a few years back, and yet that number was in circulation and worn by multiple players for many years. Right. It doesn't mean it makes them more identifiable. But, That's fair. But I just don't know how you... Not, I just don't know how a guy makes the Hockey Hall of Fame, even if you have the argument for, oh, his number should be – like, I get that argument. I don't know how he's not in your team Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think Mark Reckie should probably be in. And I think between him and Gagne, I think he is the pick. Um, so I, I think you see Holmgren, you see Nolan, and then 50-50 Reckie or Kelly. Oh, and for what it's worth, by the way, and I don't – yeah, okay, I did write it down. So – Recky also ranks sixth in franchise history in assists and ninth in points. And I, I just want to clarify for people who may not know what the list of all-time points are in Flyers history. There are only three players in the top ten who are not in the Flyers Hall of Fame, and two of them are active players. 
I'll give you a guess of who the active players are. One of them so, is still with the team, and one of them just got traded. Oh, so it's Claude and Jake, huh? Yes. Okay. But my point being, if let's put it this way, if they turn if around, Mark Reck is the only other one not in. Right, like that's that's it. He's the only one there who's not playing and not in. Fix right. it. I'm I, okay, and I'm I'm not saying this is definitively going to happen because obviously there's a voting process and all that stuff like that, but. If you are going to get frustrated, potentially, or if you sit there and you are frustrated by the idea that you go, Recky's not a Hall of Fame, like a Flyers Hall of Famer. Come on, right? Like if that's your argument, then you're going to be infuriated in a few years when Voracek is considered for something like this. You know oh, what I mean? Man. You know what I mean? Like I'm just saying. The, oh, I just thought about the reaction of certain people hearing Jake Voracek, right. Hockey, Flyers Hall of Famer. Well, oh. I know, and, okay, and now listen. For what it's worth, by the way. If you associate, like, this is another argument that I would make for Recky as well. Okay, maybe you don't associate him as a flyer first. You think of his past successes, whatever. Now, at the same time, I watched a very large contingency of people who were maybe some, I don't want to call it complete outrage, but somewhat outraged by the fact that, oh, come on, how is Danny Briere not a finalist for this? And I understand the argument for his case down the road, but I'm sitting here going, there's nothing different about his case than Recky's case, in my opinion. Like, he had just as much success with another franchise as he did here, and yes, he's a really liked, well liked part of this franchise. He's a saber to me. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. Like, he's as much of a saber as he is a flyer for from the years standpoint. Right. And quite frankly, doesn't even come close to having the numbers over the eight years he played in Philly that he did. In he Buffalo. was obscene in Buffalo. Or I mean, it might have been fewer than eight years. I'm thinking eight years because of Teemanen. You know, that, uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Teemanen because Teemanen is going to eventually probably make his way onto a finalist list down the road as well. But man, I don't know. That, that one's tough for me. But but this is but this is why I'm saying I feel like you need to put the bow on the on the bullies essentially, and then make your way back into well, Recky was an eighty like a late eighties player who came to the Flyers in the early 90s had some and then had some big success with them in the early 2000s you can do Tockett for the same reason and Gagne kind of qualifies in that as well because Gagne was a midnight like mid late 90s mostly 2000s kind of player and you're going to by do by if once you induct Gagne which is going to happen at some point because Gagne also qualifies as one of the Gagne the fact that he's a finalist on this list well but Gagne is also a top 10 goal scorer in franchise history and yeah. actually I believe uh, somebody was coming. I, I forget if somebody was coming up on his heels really quickly. Maybe it wasn't. It's. Oh, you know what I'm thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of Voracek was hot on the heels of Recky for ninth in franchise history and points until right. the trade happened. And now. Whoops. And no, no, so, no, so now Recky solidified for a while in right. ninth. Right. Make him one of these Hall of Famers. And Gagne's in the top 10 in goals in franchise history, I believe. So, like. You've got like Bogania is going to usher in a new era of inductees to this list, whether it's Briere and team and in whether it's, you know, when Jeru's time comes, whether there's anybody else that we're not thinking of that should go in. But I don't think that you should just start that now with five other players from an era before Gagne that let me let me throw a name. Let me throw a name out for you from this era. Okay. And you just hit me with a quick gut reaction. Flyers Hall of Fame. Yes or no. Oh, why do I have a bad feeling about this? Keith Primo. 
I, I get Ooh, the why hesitation. I love it. No, but I get why you're saying it because I did see people who said stuff about I'm it. I'm just curious. Okay, look. There's always a special place in the hearts of Flyers fans for a captain. Fair. I respect that. Um, in a weird sort of way, and Primo played here longer. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. But in a weird sort of way, I feel like the Keith Primo argument is not that different from like arguing that Jeremy Roenick should be in there. When when Roenick had like because as as a player who had a very solid overall career, but I feel like their time with the team was not as long as people think. I think that's fair to say. That's what I'm saying. Like Danny Briere probably has more of a case than Keith Primo does. Yeah, I just don't know if you want to go into the the late 2000s quite yet. You're starting to get a little little recent, right? You know what I mean. The problem is, is that the players who ultimately defined the early 2000s years that you're trying to talk about are also the ones that are going to usher in the 2010s because Gagne was still playing at that time too. That's valid. And, and Recky was a big part of those. Like, See, Recky is a big part of those teams. Recky is as much of a part of the 2000 and 2004 teams as he is, oh, he start, like his Flyers career started in the early 90s. He's as much that four-year span, five-year span, before he went on to win two more Cups and cap off his career, riding off into the sunset like that. Yeah, remember how good he was in the 2010 Boston series? I mean, let's put it this way. You're arguing, like, you're bringing up Keith Primo's name. Primo was outstanding in 04. He was. And, you know, and let's put it this way. Yes, okay. Recky was great in 2010. So was Briere. Briere was outstanding. Briere was incredible. We oh, have exactly. 30 points in that run. Exactly. So, like, yeah, they're going to get in, like, both of them. The thing is that Briere's regular season numbers are actually not nearly as impressive as you think. I oh, think no. People- I think the reason people think of him in this regard is because he's Mr. Playoffs. It's Mr. Playoffs. I mean, I suppose, I suppose next you're going to tell me what's Ilya Brzgalov doing. You know, or whatever. Like, I'm just, uh, like, let's be realistic about people who deserve their no. names and that kind of stature. You know, like, and that's the thing. Like, I, like, okay, like, even down to, they had Steve an, Mason. That's funny. <laughs> Steve Mason gets a bad reputation. I know he does. Uh, that being said, I don't know if anybody who played for the team like, between like you, 2012 and 2016, other than Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier, have a chance like, of getting in. But like, think, but think about the best players from even those teams as, as you start to approach the, like 2010 and whatnot. Chris Pronger didn't play here long enough. No. Peter, Peter Forsberg didn't play here long enough. He like, wasn't good. He wasn't. No. He was good early in that. Season, he he right? was. You're right. That's I, believe it or not, actually that, that, that entire first season. That, in, was, that injury tore him up, though. And that injury destroyed him. That, it ended his career. But what I'm trying to get at is that you had a bunch of guys who had really good years here, but it was not nearly as long. Like, like honestly, you're like you're almost right. The next discussion that you kind of usher in with that grouping with Scott Gagne Hartnell. Rear, Scott Hartnell might actually have an argument, though, like because he was here he for sure an a long time. Like you're getting, but you're then you're going to get into the. Jeff Carter, Mike Richards discussion. Right, you're into it. You're you're into that era, and like they are probably the next two players that actually define that that section of time. Oh man, you know, it, oh, like it's gonna be a fun conversation when it comes up. I can't wait. But I th- see. But I think you can prolong or even bypass a decent amount of those years with guys who you're not t- t- like terribly sure about. With like, okay, we're gonna do the the last of the bullies right now, and then next year. Here comes Recky and maybe, like Recky, maybe Gagne, you know, do talk it. Like, I think they're all deserving in that regard because eventually you're going to get to, well, Danny Briere probably should go in or Kimo Timonen's going to go in because, it, and, and you, and what you need to start to realize with that type of stuff is what, what are their ties 
currently. Like Danny Briere has ties currently with yep. with everything with Maine, and he was he's helped coach at development camps, and he's helped he was he does stuff with the alumni, and he's still in the area. And Tiemann's the same kind of way, and you know, like you start to get into guys like that. And Hart, you start to get into community staple kind of guys. Yep. Right. Like you start to get into those kind of guys, and if that's the case, you know, they're the type of guys who are probably going to go in in the same way that you're going to put. Paul Holmgren in for his longevity. You're going to put Bob Kelly in for that kind of stuff, probably. Like, like these are names that you go, they should have already been in, and now you're just probably doubling down on it because of their service to the franchise as much as anything. But as we kind of come to a close and put a cap on this, the right. most important thing, and don't you ever forget it, is Lou Nolan deserves to be in. I really, I, I really think he's got a heavy campaign this year for this because of the fact that there's a lot of people uh, let's put it this way media members I think anyway the media members who have already put out it's great to see him get the nomination I think they're going to give him like I think he's going to get votes for the reason of we know how fans react to Lou Nolan and I don't know if you're, you remember this um, a couple seasons ago there was like a er, late February early March-ish there was like a four game stretch where he was not there Yes. And and it was a question every game. Yes. He he misses one, you go, all right, he's he usually took a night due, off. He's, he's, got, usually, he's usually due to miss one every year. Yeah. Okay. But then it was two and three and four and people And it went, became a concern. And literally people went, Is everything Where's all right? Lou? Where's Lou? Yep. Everything Where's good? Lou? Like Is Lou okay? Yeah, like that's how important his voice is to people who go into that building. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And it, there's and there's going to be like to be honest with you like I almost wonder what it's going to be like if he does get inducted at least this time around or what eventually when he does because you go you're also the always the MC of these things you set <laughs> who's going to host it you set the stage for it we're going to have to grab like what we're going to have to do is you're going to probably have to grab like Jim Jackson to go and host it because he's a broadcaster so, so you can induct the public address announcer we'll just bring Pat Croce back to host it oh, that'll go well. That'll just go perfectly. Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> that's a name you haven't heard in a minute. Come on. When's the last time you got a good Pat Croce reference? Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to finish it off, I would suppose. Let's, put, right. this, let's put this last matter up there because this is what I've been like. This is what the story says anyway. Yeah. For now, or this is what the idea is. It hasn't been officially announced, but we believe that this is. Uh, there have been reports out that this is when training camp is going to begin. So that means by the time we do another show, camp is underway. I was going to say this kind of ties nicely into our schedule for future shows. So well, yeah, because you know what's going to happen. I'm going to have seen potential line combinations by the time we do yep. another show, so we actually can talk about what the real, you know, possible possibilities are for this team in in a lot of ways. And we'll be by the time we do that show, we'll probably be like we're right on the cusp of the preseason at that point. So we'll also be talking about that. Like we're going to be right there, and it's going to be great. So quick little schedule update: if you got this far. Uh, we will still be taking next week off, but then the week after that, if they're in training camp, we might be every week. We're still kind of playing it by ear, but uh, I think we're going to be every week because it's not just the fact that they're yeah. going to be back in camp at that point, but it's preseason games start it, shortly right, thereafter. It is. We're going to do a show. Camp is going on. Yep. Preseason is like two days away, and from there, it's going to build into there's preseason games to talk about the following week, and then more to talk about, and then we're rolling with the regular We're season back. right away and it's going to be it's going to be great and we'll we'll um we will definitely um have to kind of consider some things with the schedule down the road there early on there's not really much of an issue 
but there will be some Sunday games down the stretch. And, and some of the scheduling to me, I, I don't know if you, how we haven't really talked about the schedule. Maybe we'll do that on the next show too, as we, you know, touch on camp. And yeah, absolutely. Like but like some of the schedule has some obscure times on it. Although actually they just ch- changed one of them. Not long ago, there was an update on one of them. There was a road game on a Sunday. It was supposed to start at like five and now it's seven, which makes okay. a whole lot more sense. Um, but stuff like that. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, like just if some of these, like we'll talk about some of these scheduling things and there's some different times on there and some things like that. And certainly, because I think one of the things I want to write about down the road, especially over the course of the next two weeks, is some of the games to look forward to on the schedule, which would certainly be a talking point on our next show. Absolutely. Because, there's, you know, there's going to be multiple to think about. And I, I, I honestly think that, a lot of them come early on, to be honest, because we've, I think we've already hinted at it a little bit. The you know the home openers on a Friday night, that's already fun to begin with. And then or home opener slash season opener, I'm sorry, because it's both. It doesn't always happen that way, but this time around it does. And and then the newest team in the NHL comes into town right away, and it's like... That's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Exactly. It's going to be really exciting, and that's going to be cool. And then, uh, you know, I, 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 I can only assume... Maybe in another week or two, we probably get an update on the conversation we just had, and I think maybe that class is announced, and they have a night in mind that they want to have this ceremony yeah, on. I think, so we I think we'll see it pop up on the schedule. Well, they did. I will say this: they also they did it very quickly. Like, yeah. A, from a week of well, we're gonna get together a list of nominees, and we're planning to induct at least one person, maybe more. And then in a week, they went. Here are six finalists. And right. it's like, oh, I wouldn't honestly. Uh, the Monday or Tuesday news drop that we fully expect. Oh, yeah. It's probably coming soon. Well, and you know what? We will be back in two weeks to talk about it. We are taking one more week off for the summer, and uh, and then we're going to be back pretty much every week until the wheels fall off. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Make sure to follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Uh, you can find the show everywhere you find podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, SportstalkPhilly.com. Uh, Kevin's articles are ramping back up. We're getting back towards the season. I, I think I said that. I forget what it was and where I said this about, but development camp was over the course of a couple weeks ago. We were on Zoom calls with interviews like every day for like four days in a row or right. three days in a row or something like that. Yeah, I started to get the itch after that. I'm like, okay, we're back. We're back, like, baby. In a way. Like, it's getting closer, and I'm starting to because, – because one of the things it is, too, is we've been talking – every time we've done another show every other week, it's let's talk about what we think they could be. We're going to finally get to see it soon enough. Like, what they we're, are. We're not yeah. there. And that's what's really exciting. Like when we do when we do this next show in two weeks, then the preseason we're gonna starts – We're going to be days away from the preseason. Right. The preseason starts in two days, and yep. it's like – here's going to be your first and it's not like like we said earlier in the show it's not going to be your first like the first look like or the first true look at the team because there's not going to be everybody but like it'll be nice something it's it's hockey exactly it's going to be nice to see what some of these players have so let's get excited for it for sure oh i mean you know we're about to get it started and and on a day when another season starts too because i'm sure a lot of people out there are amped up for football too yep absolutely but all right We're getting out of here. We'll be back in two weeks. Tell your friends. You would think. Weekly. Two weeks. Be here. See ya.